You're listening to Pat Gray Unleashed On Demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. It's true, I am. Uh, back from my deathbed. Sort of. That was a rough weekend for you, my friend. <clears throat> oh, man. Just miserable. Miserably. I haven't been that sick in a long time. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. But great to be back yeah. and great to have you with us. Happy you're here. And uh, thanks to Jeffy for filling in, getting up extremely early. And I know he didn't want to. Uh, no, he no, doesn't he like didn't. setting an alarm clock for any reason whatsoever. No. So, and I don't blame him. I mean, when that alarm clock goes off at three, it's like, uh, no. Uh-uh. I can't do it. I can't do it another day. <laughs> and then somehow you do. And then the next day you go through <laughs> so the same true. thing. Uh-uh. I nope, I can't do it. I can't do it another day. Daily dance <laughs> with the pillow. <laughs> yep. Especially when it's this cold. And uh-huh. we have had a really, again, a cold autumn because it's not winter yet. And in Dallas-Fort Worth, it just doesn't get this cold this early. And uh, so when it's dipping into the 30s every night, Man, those uh, those blankies feel really mm-hmm. nice in the morning mm-hmm. at three thirty, and you know that it's frosty everywhere else, and uh, it's tough. It's hard to yeah. do. Yeah, and then you get out to your vehicle, and you're thinking it's not too late to turn back. Right, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> then you remember, yeah. oh wait, I oh. still do need food. There are bills for waiting my for family. Hey, as huh. we speak. Yeah, maybe I'll go ahead and drive on in. Yeah, one more day. I'll give it one more day, <laughs> <laughs> and that's. That's the battle every yeah. day. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Got this uh, tweet from Peggy, who says, "Pat, I love you. Aww. Hope you're well. Isn't that nice? That is so sweet." And then the uh, little little uh, picture of Jeffy above doing the show. Oh yeah, yesterday. that's where she commented. That yeah, it's a picture yeah. of uh, Jeffy. It inspired her so, to fall in love with you. Apparently, yeah, yes. I mean, when compared to <laughs> the alternative, you can see why Peggy is head over heels you can, for you. You can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and uh, at Pat Unleashed on Twitter with your comments, questions, suggestions, whatever. Um, I'm a little stunned by uh, the French. Hmm. I, I thought they loved taxes. I, I thought they loved um, big government solutions. Yeah, mm-hmm. climate change. I thought they were all over climate change. I thought they were one of the few peoples, well, I'm not one of the many peoples, I guess, because we're one of the few that don't just cave into everything. I, I, I thought they were all over this situation. And so why wouldn't they want a carbon tax? Mm-hmm. You don't want a carbon tax? What? You hate the planet or something? <laughs> What's your problem, Frenchies? What? Do you just want to destroy this whole earth? Mm-hmm. They do. And everything on it. Everything on it. Uh, so he suffered his first, uh, President Emmanuel Macron suffered the first major setback in his push to overhaul the French economy, backed off his fuel tax increase <laughs> that enraged uh, so much of the nation, sparked a grassroots protest movement against his government. Faced with another weekend of destructive protests by the Gilets Jaunes oh. or Yellow Vests, uh, Prime Minister Edouard Philippe <laughs> told a press conference on Tuesday that the tax increase will be pushed back six months to allow for public discussion. Mm-hmm. Worst riots to hit Paris in decades erupted during the 
anti-government protests on Saturday, leaving the city's shopping and tourist center dotted with burning cars and damaged storefronts. So you don't like a tax, so you start burning other people's property. Hmm. Seems reasonable. Yeah, it does. Protesters vandalized the Arc de Triomphe uh, and kind of rattled the Macron administration. Philippe said, no tax is worth threatening the unity of the nation. Well, a carbon tax is because you're trying to save this this planet from catastrophic climate change. It's called the greater good. Mm. Protests have become a test of Macron's resolve to forge ahead with his broader agenda, agenda, particularly his plans to make France more business friendly. Concession marked the first time the Macron government has blinked since the former investment banker took office uh, in 2017. Now, he won the presidency on a platform that promised to make the French economy more competitive while also cutting pollution and preserving the nation's generous social protections. His proposals included reduced jobs protections for workers, higher fuel taxes, cutting red tape for businesses, and a repeal of much of France's wealth tax. Hmm. French leader has eschewed the consensus-building approach of his predecessors. Instead, he wielded his executive powers and his large majority to defy the political opposition. And then he paid for it with uh, massive riots and unrest in the country. And now he's backing off. Okay, let's talk about the carbon tax. Well, what is there to talk about? Either we're going to save this planet or we're not. Which is it, Frenchy French people? Um, here's some of what it looked like in Paris, um, in the aftermath of the riots. It's, uh, some rough stuff there. Yeah. Looks like a war zone. It's like Beirut or Syria. Um, and we're being told UN climate chief is uh, telling us that he has a solution to urgent, to the urgent climate threat. We require deep transformations of our economies and societies. Oh. Hmm. UN Climate Chief Patricia Espinoza said, This reality is telling us that we need to do much more. Are you listening, French people? Uh, The impacts of climate change are increasingly hard to ignore. Isn't that the truth? You just see it everywhere. (laughs) I mean, here we are. Yeah. Just December 5th. Mm Mm-hmm. 36 degrees in Dallas, Texas. It's already hit 23 here a couple weeks ago. Man, that's burning up. Well, it's, well it's the carbon tax is, y- yeah. is, is why it's <clears throat> getting colder because it's working. So if you don't, I don't think we have, we have a carbon tax here, but um, maybe no, it's France's carbon yeah, tax that's that was helping yeah. us here. I mean, we're, we're, we're one global unified mm-hmm. ball mm-hmm. floating in we're space. We're all connected. Mm-hmm. We're all connected. Uh, she was joined by other by former UN Climate Summit's presidents. Um, we require deep transformations of all of our economies and societies. Failure to act will be catastrophic. A failure to act now risks pushing us beyond a point of no return, with catastrophic consequences for life as we know it. Jeez, oh, they just try to make this more and more dramatic every time they get together. Uh, the UN Climate Chief. Uh, is j- just doubling down on all of this stuff uh, and making sure that we know that the impacts of climate change are increasingly hard to ignore. Got to have deep transformations 
Um, but it doesn't affect like when they get together, like all the energy they use, that actually isn't really happening when, when the climate folks, uh, the, the World Climate Summit happens, you know? Right. Uh, it, that, that's a, the, right. They're exempt from reality and um, Well, you don't science. expect them. I mean, they're the ones that are fixing this problem. Keith, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't expect them to adhere to the things they're saying. Oh, what happened? What do you mean? Well, uh, for instance, this particular summit where they're talking all this yeah, smack yeah, yeah. to us. Yeah, <laughs> smack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to admit uh, more CO2 than 8,200 American homes in a year. <laughs> so they're 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 expending more CO two in their little weekly long eight, in a week than eight thousand two hundred American households will do in a year. Well, but they're again they're they're looking out for everybody, Pat. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, they, they're exempt from and their their work is too important. They have to get together and do this. We we don't we we don't have to have electricity in our homes. Not all year, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Just just during like really hot and really cold months. Uh, so that's great. We see this story every year because they get together and they don't care. And they all fly in in their private jets. And they usually do it on some beautiful island. Uh, and they eat massive amounts of food and have it all catered. And uh, they live high on the hog. And then they try to tell us that there's catastrophic climate change happening right now. And if we don't have radical transformation of our economy and our society, we're, we're all going to die. But then they continue to live like this. The UN estimates the summit called uh, COP24 will emit. Uh, this is their own estimate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will emit 55,000 metric tons of carbon dioxide. 55,000 metric tons. Uh, so nobody knows how much that is. Yeah, that could be. It's metric measurement. Mm-hmm. Could be like an ounce of CO2 or 12 billion pounds of it. I, I don't know. There's no way to know. I don't know. No way to know. <laughs> Based on U.S. Environmental Protection Agency figures, that's the equivalent of more than 11,700 cars driving for one year, 728 tanker trucks worth of gas, and uh, 8,243 American homes being powered for an entire year. <clears throat> but that's even a lowball estimate because it only includes the emissions from the conference itself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This, well, that is a really lame <laughs> estimate. <clears throat> because this doesn't even include all of them flying in. This doesn't include the emissions uh, from the thousands of people who flew to the meeting in Katowice, Poland, mm-hmm. more than a few summit goers, including celebrities, of course, likely flew private jets. When those emissions are factored in, uh, the footprint is a lot higher. So that's I mean, that's nowhere near accurate. Jeez. UN officials uh, spent the last few months hyping COP24 as one of the last chances humanity has to avoid catastrophic catastrophic global warming. Wait, how many of these last opportunities are we going to get? I bet we've been hearing this since 2000, this at is least. It's like a, like a used car <laughs> sales ad, you know? It's like, this is over your last chance to save. Yep. And then next weekend, come on down. This is the very last sale we're going to have. It's a going uh, out of business sale. Going out of business. For 38 for years. 38 years. Hmm. A U.N. report issued in October suggested a $27,000 per ton carbon tax 
might be needed by the end of the century to stem warming. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, the estimated conference cost is going to top $130 million. Uh, but that's an underestimate because whole new facilities, basically a town, had to be built to accommodate tens of thousands of people. I just... Uh, they built a whole town! That is unbelievable. I do. Oh, my gosh. I don't know our... Speaking of, of, of the world's <laughs> population in general, are we collectively dumber... <laughs> or are they more brazen? Or, I, 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 just, I can't tell. It's like the perfect combination of both. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just... It, they, they, is, there, is there no self-awareness? Or they absolutely know what they're doing. They, they don't care. They don't care. They mm-hmm. are the elite. They're going to set the rules. It's, it's do what we say, not do what we do. They're, uh, it's complete hypocrisy. <laughs> just carbon offsets. I mean, that's a part of their big part oh, of their plan here. Are they going to plant some trees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that'll, so, all, that'll fix everything. Yeah, yeah. But you can, yeah. Plant you can, a tree. That'll pay for your emissions right there. That carbon offset thing, <clears throat> they rarely talk about it anymore because it's so ridiculous. And I, I don't think anybody bought into it. Wait, okay. So you're going to fix this by planting a tree now and that'll offset your. No, sorry. Didn't make sense <laughs> to anybody. Uh, oh, look, I love this. One of the summit's goals is to uh, further implement uh, the Paris Climate Accord, which, as we know, according to Al Gore, Gore will do absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but it, it is symbolic. <laughs> it, it's a symbol of, of, our, of, our, uh, of our attitude and our effort. Conversation. At, and the start a conversation. Also, Bernie Sanders, this is kind of fun, too, because he's, a, he's all over the global warming nonsense. He calls it our biggest threat. Our biggest threat is not terrorism. It's not nuclear war. It's mm-hmm. not Russia. Biggest threat, climate change. So it's fascinating to see that uh, his re-election campaign just spent about $300,000 on private jet travel during the month of October. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. In one month. One month, Al Gore spends 300000 Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders, I'm sorry. Bernie Sanders spends $300,000 on private jet use. <laughs> He's a senator. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, and they've been in recess. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. This expense was for transportation. Oh, not just for a month. This was nine days. <laughs> this expense was for transportation for the senator's nine-day nine state tour to support democrat candidates up and down the ballot oh okay oh oh so it's for a good cause it's yeah, to get it's democrats it. elected <clears throat> it's worth it <clears throat> this cost covered the entirety of the tour from indiana michigan wisconsin iowa south carolina colorado nevada arizona california and back to vermont now see he had to do that on a private jet had to he had to if you believe as he does you don't do this i don't care what the reason if you believe the world is on the verge of catastrophic disaster, you don't do that. You don't act like this. Okay, so just if, if there's been nine round trips, nine round trips from Vermont mm-hmm. to all of these states on a you, private jet. You, uh, not, not take out the private jet. If he just if he just flew commercial, right? Yep. You could do it round trip three hundred bucks. You, you could do each flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could you could do this for three grand if you really wanted to. One percent of what he spent flying his private jet all over the place. I, I tell you, the hypocrisy is just—it's maddening. It's incredible. 
It's absolutely incredible. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. When your ears aren't clean, you don't hear. You don't get to hear the the really important warnings of climate change. Yeah. Catastrophic disaster that's bearing down on us. Does Bernie Sanders' ears pop less when he's on a private jet as opposed to a uh, uh, just a regular uh, commuter plane? We'll or? ask him next time yeah. he comes on. Okay. Um, but they can be itchy. They can be painful. Mm-hmm. Get plugged up. Makes it hard to hear. Really important things. So uh, you know, and you your your tendency is probably to use a cotton swab and just jam it in your ears, and that just pushes everything further back. Or get one of those candles and set your head on fire. Uh, that's not smart either. It's not a good plan. No. The WaxRx system is really great, though. It was developed by physicians. It's safe. It works really well. Comes with everything you need. A wax softening drop. Drops that uh, break down the earwax inside your ear. Then there's a specially engineered pump fitted with a unique tip to gently deliver the perfect amount of cleansing pressure to flush everything out. And then there's the pH condition formula to rinse and soothe your ears. Go to usewaxrx.com, order your reusable earwash system today. Use the offer code radio and you'll get it shipped for free right to your door. Usewaxrx.com. It's Pat Gray unleashed on the blades. Hmm. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, and Ed Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Uh, apparently, the uh, Democrat National Committee is close to finalizing their 2020 primary debate plan. You know, you think, well, that, that's really early. Mm-hmm. And then you think tw- 2019 is minutes away. Yeah. Literally yeah. minutes away. Yeah, they had late in the year, late in 2019. My gosh, yeah. we're going to be we're less than a year, I bet, from these. Uh, oh, for sure. For these people are going to start. I think people will start announcing Maybe right after the first of the year, and then the debates could start summer. Maybe yeah, next yeah, it fall. Se- it seems like it was August of fifteen. I think that we it had was our first GOP debate. Yeah. So we're so this is maybe eight months away. Eight eight or nine months away. Wow. So uh, they're trying to come up with this plan that gets everybody on stage at the same time, and they're talking about thirty or forty candidates. I hope they do this. <laughs> this is so stupid, this but is this is great. This is just the Democrat mentality. <laughs> Well, we we can't have some of them not included, uh-huh. and you can't do what the Republicans did with the kitty table. We're not going to do that. So we'll have forty five people up there, and we'll give them seventeen seconds each. Yeah, everybody gets a. We'll start from left to right. Uh, go ahead, Senator, with your uh, opening remarks, and we'll go down the line. Forty five people, and then we'll come back. All right, closing remarks, mm-hmm. left to right. Here we go. All right, either that, or they're going to have a debate that lasts all day from like sun up to sundown. That's wow. going to be fun to see. I, I can't wait to see it. It's, this is going to be great. Chairman uh, Tom Perez and his team have been meeting for months about this. And they're find, trying to find a way to improve the process and accommodate the uh, large class of credible potential candidates, they <laughs> I'm say. I'm sorry. You got a D after your name. Not credible to begin with. Sorry. Yeah, credible. <laughs> uh, people like Tom Steyer. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a prayer. Not a prayer. <laughs> Uh, Perez has made it clear to his staff that he would like the field to be presented in a way that initially mixes top-tier candidates with lesser-known ones. Party's proposed solution, which will be presented for Perez's approval later this month, also would allow for other factors beyond national polling, like uh, what kind of staff do they have, fundraising numbers, 
number of office locations, all of that. How serious are they? How legitimate are they? Uh, he said that Mary Beth Cahill, a senior advisor with the DNC, says there's a lot of really good people running or considering running on our side. No, you got no good people. Who do you have? You got Beto, maybe. Um, Joe Biden says that he is uh, he is the most qualified. He just said that in Montana over the weekend. Uh, Joe Biden is your most qualified candidate. Well, most, I mean, self-declared most qualified. But there's no one in America better suited than him for the nation's highest office, he says. <laughs> I think I'm the most qualified person in the country to be president, he told a crowd in Missoula, Montana. Of course you do. During his American Promise tour. It's a good place for him. It's a college town and um, and a little more, uh, probably a little more liberal than most of, than most of Montana. Uh, the issues that we face as a country today are the issues that I've worked on my whole life. The plight of the middle class and foreign policy. There he is. Middle class Joe. Yes. All right. Uh, but will he make the run? Uh, he noted his decision isn't his alone. My family and I need to decide as a unit whether we're ready. We do everything as a family. Now, he's going to, he's going to be 78, I believe. Find out right now. When, when uh, all of this really kicks into gear. I think he's 76 now. He's 76 now. His yeah. birthday is November 20th. So that really? would put him, yeah. So he sure just turned birthday. 76. I didn't know that. Aw. How about that? Happy birthday to you and middle class Joe. Right? Huh. Huh. Uh, so he's he's 76. Uh, he'll be 78 uh, during the election. And that would be by far the oldest president we've ever elected if, you know, if he were to win. But... Let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope we haven't gone that far down the road. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I could. Uh, he's going to yeah. run, though. Oh, totally running. Is there any doubt in your mind Joe not Biden runs? Doubt. No I, doubt. I should actually put money in. There's not a chance he doesn't run. He, he Obviously, he believes he's the most qualified, and I think he believes he can beat Trump. Yeah, he believes he made a mistake <clears throat> not running. Big time. In 2016. I, I think it's eating him alive mm-hmm. that he didn't run. And, you know, he left it to Hillary. And he regrets that now. And I think he regretted it from just about the minute he decided not to do it. Then there's Beto. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently there was a meeting between Beto and uh, Barack Obama. First sign of Obama getting personally involved in conversations with O'Rourke. Despite his uh, November loss, he has triggered more recent discussion and speculation than any other candidate that he will be running. TMZ is now... Trailing O'Rourke, going everywhere he does. Riding a skateboard behind him or something? Yeah, apparently. He's being swamped by calls from uh, Democrat operatives eager to work with him and other campaigns in the making are eyeing his moves closely for any signs of his intentions. Mm -hmm. O'Rourke said in an El Paso town hall last week that he's considering a run and pending, you know, discussions with his family. Like, you haven't had those yet? Mm -hmm. How long does it take? Yeah, we're going to meet. I'm going to meet with my wife in... uh, uh, early January, we'll talk about it then. Don't you see her every day? Why don't you talk to her about it now? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, his wife's uh, dad, so his father-in-law, is uber wealthy. Right? Yes, yes. So it's not like he's trying to pay the mm-hmm. bills. No. <laughs> he has time to just tour the country for a year and a half. 
But uh, what do you think of Biden Beto 2020? Oof. Mm. What a nightmare. But that <clears throat> that could be the key that unlocks the Would it be Biden number. Beto or Beto Biden? I don't he's know. Not, he's not I, having I don't a second think, fiddle again, no, especially at his age. No, I don't think he would. Hmm. Yeah, he doesn't want to be vice president again. Just write that down. Been there, done that. Biden, Beto, that's going to be the ticket. I'm His, writing it down. So Beto's meeting with Obama came amid uh, cross pressures on O'Rourke to forego a run to mount another bid for Senate against John Cornyn. Now they've been talking about that quite a bit too, because I think Cornyn's Cornyn is probably more vulnerable than Ted Cruz because you he's not as clearly exactly uh, the lines are more blurred between yeah. those two candidates. Uh huh. Former, um, so a spokesperson for Obama declined to comment on the meeting. O'Rourke's spokesman also declined. Uh, The former president has reportedly met with several potential candidates, including Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and New Orleans, former New Orleans mayor, Mitch Landrieu. (laughs) Boy, he's a... Mitch Landrieu? He's on fire, right? (laughs) Finally! We're going to get the choice we've all been clamoring for. Clamoring. When is Mitch Landrew going to run for president? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer apparently is very, very soon. Finally. You're going to finally have your chance. Jeez, took Mitch so long, Landrew. Yeah. Where do these people get these delusions of grandeur? Whoever said to Mitch Landrew, hey, you know what? Mm. You should run for president, man. I think so, really? Yeah. Why? Because nobody knows who you are. But that and and because they don't know anything about you, maybe they'll think you're okay. Yeah, you know it's good enough for me. Uh, call the exploratory committee right now. My goodness, just absolutely. It's gonna I be mean, a fun stage with 45 candidates on it. it at wow. least 45. It may be closer to 100. Everybody in the Democrat Party thinks they have a shot at this. Uh, so he's in the awkward position of trying to ensure, uh, they say, of, of Obama trying to ensure his party wins back the White House, but without weighing in too aggressively in a primary that could consist of his former vice president, mm-hmm. uh, his longtime friend, governor, uh, former Massachusetts governor, Deval Patrick. Jeez, he might run too. Come on. 46 and counting. And some of his former, former cabinet officials, let's not forget Eric Holder. 47. Uh, Julian Castro. 48. Housing secretary. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Obama's stated mission has been to build a new generation of Democrat leaders. And two weeks ago, he said that O'Rourke reminded him of himself. Oh, man. Oh, oh what? Was oh, it Marxist, too? Mm-hmm. Okay. The three-term congressman was one of the rare politicians who can connect with a wide swath of the electorate in an increasingly siloed country. <laughs> oh, that's a fun word. Isn't it? Increasingly siloed, siloed uh-huh. country. Uh-huh. Okay. The reason I was able to make a connection with a sizable portion of the country was because people had a sense uh, that I said what I meant. <laughs> yeah, they had a sense. Okay, that, is that right? <laughs> what I oftentimes am looking for first and foremost is, do you seem to mean it? Are you in this thing because you have a strong set of convictions that you're willing to risk things for? What I liked most about his race was that it didn't feel consistently poll tested. It felt as if he based his statements and his positions on what he believed, and that, you'd like to think, is normally how he's how things work. Sadly, it's not. Yeah, well, that was the problem with O'Rourke here, because 
yeah, I I don't I don't think he pulled his opinions like healthcare for all, free college for all, all of these socialist platforms. Well, that that's not going to work in Texas. So, yes, good. I'm glad you actually said what you meant. Uh, that was a good thing. That's why he's not the senator from the great state of Texas. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Um, when you put money in a four hundred one k or an IRA, or you know, just do something as simple as storing your jumper cables in your car, what are you doing? You're preparing. You prepare to ensure you have enough money for retirement, or you're prepared if your car battery dies, whatever. And that makes sense. Same goes for building a food storage plan. You're preparing for when an emergency or a disaster of some kind strikes. And shelves go empty at the grocery store. And that can happen with something as simple as a snowstorm this time of year. That can happen with a hurricane or a tornado or who knows. Or a Jeffy moving into the neighborhood. Oh, good golly. You've got to prepare for empty shelves at your local grocery store. Yeah, we'll we'll try to give you plenty of time to alert you when Jeffy is on the move, because mm-hmm. uh, it could affect your life in a profound sure. way. Could I mean yes, plans out the window. But if you want to get prepared with food, uh, do it with My Patriot Supply. <clears throat> right now, they're offering their lowest price of the year on two popular emergency food kits. Go to my special website, preparewithpat.com, and see them both. Preparewithpat.com. Preparing with My Patriot Supply is a smart thing to do. Do it right now at preparewithpat.com. Pat Gray Unleashed. And we can't forget the douchiest potential candidate of all. Uh-huh. Well, at least so far. And Jeffy's running for president? No. Oh. I mean, not that douchey. Come on. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, just Michael Avenatti. Oh, yeah, that's douchey. He might run for uh, the Democrat nomination. Thinks his chances to beat Trump have improved since the uh, allegations that he he was abusive. Uh, to, <laughs> is it his ex-wife? Uh, girlfriend? A girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he told Politico he'll be fully exonerated when the facts and evidence relating to the alleged incident are known. If anything, he said, the conditions for his bid have actually improved. Bid to be what? Uh, the Democrat representative in 2020? Yep. Probably. I think the field is shaping up to be even more advantageous for someone like me, not less. <laughs> I think my chances have only gone up, not gone down. <laughs> this guy is just unreal. <laughs> Clear in the past few weeks that have taken a, a toll on him when the news first broke of his arrest. Uh, the Vermont Democrat Party canceled events that were to have featured him. Uh, his cable bookings have dwindled a bit. He was uninvited from one prominent Democratic event, skipped out on another. And now his highest profile client is bringing new allegations against him. Um. After a domestic violence arrest, and of course the public rift with his porn star client, Stormy Daniels, over legal fees and legal strategy, even some of his most loyal supporters are questioning whether he can survive the latest round uh, of challenges and still be a viable. The guy's not ever been a viable candidate. Stop it. As a friend, I'm concerned about him. When I call him to say, hey, how are you doing? It's pretty obvious he's going through a pretty rough time right now. 
David Betris, uh, Democrat County Chairman in Youngstown, Ohio, said, I'm more worried about the, these pending charges. Mm. Mm. And yet he, he thinks his chances have gone up. Good. One of the most delusional, yeah. egomaniacal people I think I've ever, ever heard of. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three and a politician. And Pat unleashed on Twitter. Uh, Steve Madursky tweets: Is Pat back, or do we have another day of Fat unleashed? <laughs> Hopefully, by now you know it's you know it's Pat it's unleashed. Pat. We're back, Pat. Um, Kool Aid drinker, fifty five billion metric tons. Will that fill in a fit in a cup? No one knows. No, we don't know. Yeah, we fifty five have... million metric tons. I have no, I, no idea. No idea. No way to tell. Promiscuous Fish tweets, is it safe to say the 55 metric tons still weighs less than Jeffy? Yes. Yes, I think that, that's very safe. So that's, well, you that's know what, confirmed. I'm going to try to that. figure that one out because that one might uh, be close. Uh, Smallmouth Bass Kurt, uh, the whole official meetings of the, uh, the UN Climate Summit, further proof of the grand scam. With modern technology, much of the business could be done by conference calls. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. We And we've mentioned that before. Uh on today's into with today's technology, you could easily do this on the internet, and you don't have to go anywhere for it. You don't have to burn up any metric tons of CO two. Uh, struggling Lumby <laughs> tweets, uh, "Gonna be late because I just have to say how disappointed I am that Pat didn't pronounce it giblets Jean on oh. uh, that French story, yeah, with the uh, with the yellow jackets." Come on, Pat. <laughs> there you go. Uh, just a little reference to the, what was that? Oh, there's a come on, Ted. Yeah, initially. It's the Beto ad. Initially for, uh, sparked that. Against Ted Cruz, yeah. Yes. Uh, fun. And we had this story. I, I just saw this story yesterday <clears throat> about how they couldn't get anybody to host the Oscars. Mm. Nobody's interested. And then all of a sudden... Uh, it broke overnight last night that Kevin Hart is going to host the Oscars. Yeah, and I think rumor is, uh, judging by what we're talking about on Twitter, is that uh, the next in line, if Kevin Hart had said no thanks, it was going to be our own Jeff Fisher. Wow. He was going to be the host. It was so close, so hopefully next time. Maybe next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people, I guess, uh, have just, they, well, they get skewered for doing this. Uh, they're not funny. They're not good. It doesn't go well for them. They get embarrassed. They get all kinds of terrible reviews. And then they sort of don't want to do it again. <laughs> um, but uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, last year said, I don't, after his, after his uh, Oscar performance, said, I don't know what happened. I, I blame myself for this. I knew I would screw this show up. I really did. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and he did. Uh, I have a hard time with Jimmy Kimmel now. He's just... Yeah. It's too bad. He's just too, too liberal. Um, but, you know, they've gone through Jimmy Kimmel, Ellen DeGeneres, Hugh Jackman, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart. All of them have vowed they'll never do it again. Um, gone kind of are the days when Johnny Carson hosted, what, five times. Billy Crystal ho- hosted it nine times. I think Billy Crystal was my favorite Oscars host. Yeah, he was good. Bob Hope hosted the Oscars 19 times. Wow. But that was a different time where, you know, you can do those corny, dumb jokes and nobody cared. It was fine. You didn't get lambasted in the press afterward. Um, But because of the rapidly falling ratings, 
It's gone from 43 million viewers in 2014 with Ellen DeGeneres. 43 million to 26 million last year with Jimmy Kimmel. 17 million loss in four years. That's amazing. That is, wow. So uh, James Franco and Anne Hathaway tried it out in 2011. They got, they got blasted. Uh, Seth MacFarlane was terrible. Neil Patrick Harris <clears throat> was dull, according to most people. He was willing to actually do it again, I guess, and they don't want him back. <laughs> nah, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, Justin Timberlake, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Jerry Seinfeld, all of them asked and said, no, thank you. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, uh, who did the Golden Globes for three years. They didn't want the Oscar job. Uh, Dwayne Johnson didn't want to do it. He's going to do the Golden Globes instead. Stephen Colbert and James Corden um, probably won't be able to because they're on different networks. So they finally did find somebody, though. Apparently, it's going to be uh, uh, Kevin Hart. I, I was going to... I, I, who else would there be? I, I can't... I mean, you pretty much named everybody who's who you would consider for something like that. And uh, you're running out of names. Either they've been tainted with the Me Too movement, or they've already done it, and they don't want to do it again. Or nobody wants them back. So, that's a tough gig. Yeah, yeah. That's you, a really tough gig. Is, is <clears throat> the... Uh, Prerequisite that you have to mix in some anti-Trump jokes into your oh, monologue. You know that's absolutely. So, so what's the over/under on Kevin? Because I, I don't know that Kevin Hart. I just don't know that he said anything political. But I'm, you know, yeah, I'd I don't like to know what the. I don't know either. He just seems to avoid that kind of stuff. But I mean, he'll have to at the Oscars, won't he? That's what they'll expect of him. Uh, let's see. Here's the first headline I type in. I just look, I googled Kevin Hart Trump. This is from August. Kevin Hart faces boycott threats after Trump talk at VMAs. So I don't know. Let's see. He made a kneeling jab. So I don't know if he's uh Yeah, so it was against Trump. I don't know what the joke was. But anyway. So yeah, that's probably all you have to have on your resume is that uh, are you willing to tell... That's the application. Are you willing to tell anti-Trump jokes mm-hmm. as part of your monologue? Mm-hmm. And if you check the yes box, then you get You're a in. call back from the Academy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. So... Yep, that'll be fun. Yay! More of those uh, fun times. Well, we'll have something to talk about the day after the Oscars. <laughs> yes. Oh, look at this. Kevin Hart tells Donald Trump to, quote, suck it. Oh, that's right. That's right. So that's what he. That's what had him rise to the top of the uh, potential uh, uh-huh. hosts. Yeah, I think uh-huh. we played that clip, too, okay. uh, in the aftermath of that particular event. Oh, this is going to be good. Won't that be fun? That'll be fun. <clears throat> I just can't. I can't wait. I don't even... I don't even watch the Oscars anymore. Yeah. Usually the movies that they nominate are all crappy, uh, or I haven't seen them. And, uh, you know, the crowd pleasers never get nominated. So why bother? It's just kind of a bore. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. You know, uh, the Marriott just had 500 million customers whose identity was um, exposed. Actually, their data was actually stolen. It was more than exposed. Customer names, financial information, including credit cards, personal information like names, dates of birth, addresses, banking info, passports. Basically, everything an identity thief needs to become you, go online and transfer your home's title to an, into an alias, was stolen from the Marriott Starwood's data breach. Isn't that great? Um, now, credit cards are pretty easy to replace. You just call and cancel it and replace it. 
But once a thief locks onto your home's title, which are all online now, then he can easily, or she, I don't want to be sexist on these thieves, can easily transfer your home out of your name and into his. What you need to do is protect your most valuable asset, your home, with home title lock. As um, soon as I found out this was actually a thing, it scared the crap out of me. So I knew I had to have home title lock. If you own a home, if you own any rental properties, if you have elderly parents, get home title lock. It's just pennies a day, and it'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title. So if they detect any kind of sinister activity, they get on and shut it down. Your home's title could already be compromised, and you could find out really easily by signing up at HomeTitleLock.com for your free title scan and report. It's a $100 value for free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com and get some peace of mind on this issue. HomeTitleLock.com Welcome. 888 thirty three ninety three. Uh Joy Behar, was this yesterday? Or was this I, earlier in the week when I've been sick? It was either Monday or Tuesday. I honestly don't know. Okay, so Joe Behar, Joy Behar wanted to turn um, a discussion about George H.W. Bush's death into a discussion about bashing Donald Trump. And uh, Meghan McCain was kind of fed up with it. And she called her on it. <laughs> and then... That's when the fun and the fireworks began. I hope they learn from him. I want to say one thing about him that was not picked up, really, because as a candidate, he said, those who think we're powerless to do anything about the greenhouse effect are forgetting about the White House effect. And then he signed into law the Clean Air Act Amendment of 1990, one of the most sweeping environmental yeah. statutes ever. Yeah. This president that we have now is trying to unravel everything that he did and Obama did. And if I ever become a one-issue voter, it will be about pollution and the greenhouse effect and, and the fact that... Could we focus on the president, yeah. please? I, you know, I, just, I don't want to talk about Trump at well, one I random moment. So, excuse, of, we're honoring a uh, great president who's please. I, I want to talk about but the we're difference. Just, honoring, but I'm not interested in your one-issue voter. I don't care what you're interested in. I'm talking. I don't care what you're interested in We'll be right back. Boy. Okay? <laughs> I love it. Girls, girls, girls. Can't we all just get along here? You're both pretty. Oh, golly. And, you know, talented. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just sweet and sublime mm-hmm. and uh, soothing to listen to. <laughs> oh, man. Joy Behar starts talking. All you want to do is turn it off. I want, just, I literally <coughs> want to just go deaf forever at that I, point. I, I would say there's absolutely no one on this earth more painful to listen to. And that might, in, might, might include Hillary and, and Barack Obama. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's close. Boy, that's a pat close. Pole coming up. Yeah, we should do that sometime. <laughs> Uh, the most painful person on earth to listen to. Oof. Hillary, Barack Obama, Joy Behar. We should throw in a few others, too. Yeah, we'll put some thought into that, because that okay. might be a fun okay. might be a fun poll. So anyway, then they went to break. And, uh, and then according to the Daily Mail's report, it got even worse. Oh, no. When the cameras weren't rolling. Aww. A source close to the production... Uh, told Daily Mail that after the show went to break, Behar threw her hands in the air and yelled, my God, get this bitch under control. Oops. 
If this S doesn't stop, I'm quitting this damn show. I can't take this much more. Ooh, wow. Dang, would that be awful if she quit the show? Oh, shoot. Oh, golly. Would we miss her? How would we go uh, on? Wait a minute. Let me think of... Nope, I wouldn't. You would not? Mm-mm. That's confirmed. Oh, that's confirmed. <laughs> she reportedly didn't stop there. I've tolerated a lot of S on this show, <laughs> but I'm at my wits end with this entitled B. Enough already. Enough already. I'm not playing nice any longer. She shouted. <laughs> Uh, McCain reportedly kept her cool, simply shrugged off the insults. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I don't know why she's so upset, McCain reportedly responded. I just wanted her to focus on President Bush and not bring Trump into this for once. <laughs> she's First of all, she's not capable. She's She hates Trump so much that that's all she wants to talk about. But... Secondly, I will say, I do know why she was so upset. McCain interrupted her when she's in the middle of her rant and uh, said she wasn't interested in her rant. Well, okay, but it's her rant. Doesn't matter if you're interested or not, right? I mean, I can kind of understand actually why jo- Joy Behar was was pissed. Yeah. I don't care that she was. But it wasn't and I think the, it's great that she was. I think uh, McCain had the point that, look, we're here to talk about yes. George H.W. Bush. Y- yes. You rant every time you talk. Yes. Can you just for five freaking seconds just not do it? Talk good about Bush without ripping into Trump. But Please. her point was this is my point. This is what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that kind of show where they can all talk. It's like this show. Like, if you, you pretty much bring up whatever you want to. Oh, really? I can. Well, anything except for the Connells and the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. How about the <laughs> Cornhuskers? Can I, can I do that one? Uh, on Mondays after, after the, the Mondays uh, after the game. Yeah, after we. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about the Edmonton Oilers? <laughs> no, can I talk about definitely that? not. I, mean, I went Edmonton. to their game just Monday night here in Edmonton. Dallas. Oh, how'd that go? Starwood. By the way, uh, Connor McDavid was puking apparently in the back, so he didn't even get to play. Okay. Star. Yeah. Nobody knows who Connor but McDavid is. But you asked is. me. You asked there's me how like, it went, and that's what there's, I did. I bet there's not one person in the audience who knows who Connor McDavid. Oh my is. gosh, you're not so one. wrong. It's only you. <laughs> is it really? Come on, back me up, Twitter at Hangry Keith. Right. Come on, at Pat Unleashed. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, without without googling, without oh, googling. Come off it. Stop. They're not googling. You don't have to. Uh, the source added that everyone on the set was frantic during the commercial break. The last thing they wanted was for Behar to walk off the show. Why? It's the best thing that could happen to The View. <laughs> that is the best, the single best thing that could happen mm-hmm. to The View. Mm-hmm. She's done that before. It was utter chaos in the set. Uh, source added, this isn't the last you've seen of those two coming to blows. You can trust and believe that. <laughs> I mean... They just want to. They can't even talk about the death of a uh, of a president without getting into Donald Trump bashing. Just unbelievable. Can I interrupt just for a second? I want to. No. I want to. No, you can't. I don't want to talk about the Atlanta Braves. No. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the off season, and <laughs> yeah, no, and it's going Certainly on. Certainly don't want to talk about happen. the Braves. I'm going to leave this. Look at all the calls we have. Uh, Dan in New York. Now you're on the Blaze. Hey Pat, doesn't doesn't uh, that picture of Joy Behar remind you of Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie? <laughs> yes, kind of. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yes. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to talk about, I wanted to make a further comment on your uh, viability of, of candidates. Did you see Tom Steyer and uh, Michael Bloomberg might be considering a ticket run yeah. together, and their big agenda focus is going to be climate change? Yeah, I saw that they they're both. I I saw that they're both considering runs. I didn't realize they were planning to run together. Well, uh, that's the rumor in New York uh, in the area around here. And, wow. Uh, 
You know, I, I, I just don't know, especially after what's going on in, in France. That's going to be their main focus with the Crazy. riots in France over the same thing. Absolutely nuts. And the French people you are know? much, much closer to accepting that kind of stuff than, than Americans are. And they didn't accept exactly. it. Yeah. And, you know, after all the millions they put into buying all vote counters in the midterms, you think they have a better platform than that? Yeah, you would think. God. You would think. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, the Tom Steyer thing, he's a big climate change guy. And uh, between him and Bloomberg, can you imagine the two of them together? One big in, into climate change, the other gun control. What a fun ticket that would be. Can I add Michael Bloomberg to the list of who's got the most annoying voice to listen to? Yeah, but but mm-hmm. he doesn't say the most annoying things, okay. does he? Or maybe we just don't hear from him enough to think that he's in the same league as Barack Obama and Hillary. What, what, what about Al Gore? Oh, Al's in there for Al's sure. There. Yeah, Al's Add in Al there. Gore to the list there. Yeah. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, uh, and at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Got to tell you about this uh, PETA stuff too. P- PETA's got some nice suggestions for us. Oh, we're going to change the language, make it more animal friendly. Yes, uh, we'll get into that <laughs> coming up here in a few minutes. Also, some amazing news about uh, what has happened with people fleeing Honduras and how many people have gone missing, getting from there to here. It's unbelievable. Uh, tell you about that as well. Coming up. I'm Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, something we didn't get a chance to talk about because I wasn't here on Monday. Uh, the bowl season. And the uh, BYU Cougars exciting, yeah. exciting yeah. bowl game invitation. Mm-hmm. Where are you going? Well, I mean, come on. Hmm? Like you, you don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody's pretty well aware by now. The big matchup between BYU and Western Michigan in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yeah, don't leave off the famous part, (laughs) because it's definitely that. (laughs) And when you get your bid to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, you don't mess around. You go straight for Boise, and you thank your lucky stars that you've been rewarded with that kind of reward. (laughs) <laughs> after What's, a six and six season what day is the potato i'm sorry <clears throat> it the is famous, the famous, famous idaho potato idaho bowl potato bowl uh against mm. western michigan yeah okay the western michigan broncos mm-hmm. it's on friday december it's on friday december 21st, 21st. Yeah, and year of our lord 2018 oh i love their logo i want a shirt i want a shirt uh, for of the, the famous Idaho yeah. Potato Bowl? Yeah, because it's like the football, mm-hmm. and then it's got like uh, oh, sour that. cream and chives on top of the football. <laughs> Thank you. embarrassing. No, it's not. That's awesome. <laughs> is that is awesome. <laughs> that is embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be back in the day. Uh, uh, this was in the, I think, the 70s when oh. I was growing up as a kid. I know Notre Dame. Huh? You remember? If Notre Dame wasn't invited to a bowl they thought worthy of Notre Dame, they said no. Like, they wouldn't go to the Gator Bowl. They wouldn't go to the... the. They, I don't think they would have gone to the Fiesta Bowl at the time, because at mm-hmm. the time, the Fiesta Bowl wasn't, wasn't as big as it is now. They, they, would, you know, they wouldn't go to the Citrus Bowl. If, they, if it wasn't the orange or the sugar or the cotton, uh, they wouldn't go. And uh, I, I think there's something kind of cool and classy about that. Okay, but... You, you mock the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Would mm-hmm. you rather BYU had been playing in the Humanitarian Bowl? Because that's what it used to be in Boise. Yeah, it used to I, be the Humanitarian. I, I, I bowl. like I like Humanitarian Bowl better. 
But I'd rather they not be playing in the Boise Idaho Bowl at all. <laughs> like, like you know, uh, some of the possibilities were. I mean, they they were even talked about with Missouri in the Independence Bowl. Mm. Missouri wound up with uh, Oklahoma State, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. Liberty Bowl or something. Yep. But uh, so Jeffy probably talked about that. But they, you know, there were some other possibilities that would have been decent. But Western Michigan in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. So, what, okay. what, you like your chances there? Uh, I like our chances. Uh-huh. Although, <laughs> we did play one common opponent. We lost. They beat them. So, who knows? Well, who was who that? Knows? Do you remember? Northern Illinois. We lost 7-6. They beat them 28-21. All so. right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Maybe we don't even so. win the famous Idaho Potato I mean, you could Bowl. have ended up in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. There's so many dumb bowl names now. Just what, what, let's go back to Gator Bowl, mm-hmm. Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl. You don't want the Auto Fiesta Nation Bowl. Cure no. Bowl? No, I don't. The Gildan New Mexico Bowl? What is that? Gildan? <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think it's like men's undershirts and underwear and socks oh. and stuff like that. Uh, that's classy. That'll be All right. boy, the gift packs for that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost down to the Sherman Bathroom Tissue Bowl. It's almost down to that now. Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. What? <laughs> Just re- what? Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Oh yeah, the the Bad Boy Mowers. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, what else we got here? We got the uh, Dollar General Bowl. Oh yes. Oh, I'm playing in the Dollar General Bowl. What are they? What, what are the gift bags for the players on that? I mean, just like a. Here's a gift card. Don't don't spend it all in one day at the Dollar General. They still have the Belk Bowl, or has that changed now? Mm, I don't know. Let's see the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Let's see. Mm. Foster Farms, yes. Uh, the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Valero Alamo. Yeah. See, even the even the biggest uh, name bowls, the bowl games that used to have the panache that hey, it's just the Sugar Bowl. Now it's the Allstate Sugar Bowl. It's the uh, um, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Or how about the Rose Bowl? They the Rose Bowl held out for a long time. Now mm-hmm. it's the Rose Bowl game presented by Northwestern Mutual. <laughs> Just stop it. Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let's see. Even PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Let's see. Yeah. Camping World Independence Bowl. Oh yeah. Popeyes Bahamas Bowl. Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. The Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. Stop it. Uh, Nova Home Loans. I think yeah, you might have uh-huh. mentioned them. Did you <laughs> mention AdvoCare V100 Texas Bowl? I don't think I did. <laughs> the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus. The National Funding Holiday. You know, if the tie-in made sense to, like, uh, the Sun-Kissed Orange Bowl for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that bad. But now it's just ridiculous. Oh, the Jared Birmingham Bowl. That's got a great ring to it. Do you like the Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl? What is it? <laughs> How about the SoFi Hawaii Bowl? Why Why is this happening? Why? Surf Pro First Responder Bowl. Stop. We, we just need to stop. Cheese It Bowl. Yes! That's Cheez-It the shirt bowl. I want. Yeah. I want the Cheese It Bowl featuring California and TCU. I was. I think. I think BYU was mentioned for that one at one point. Obviously, they they didn't get as high as the Cheese It Bowl. That's, a, that's what it is. It's not like the Cheese It Fiesta Bowl. It's just the Cheese It Bowl. Cheese It Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Cheese It Bowl. Just named after a food. 
That's great. Well, yummy food, at least. I mean, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> the Red Box Bowl. My goodness. Red Box, that's the 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 video game dispenser get, yeah, thing. Yeah, you go get the DVD. They still have that? 7-Eleven, yeah. And they still have it to the point where they can sponsor a bowl game? Yeah, it's Michigan State and Oregon. Wow, that's a big game. That's a decent game. Wow, that's not, again, that's not a sponsor. It's like, that's the bowl. Red Box Bowl. Jeez. Huh. Crazy. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three and at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Uh, we got this from Smallmouth Smallmouth Bass Kurt. There, I screwed it up yep, again. So back to zero. zero. Next thing, Smallmouth. <laughs> in for me as well. And you too. Next thing you know, Jimmy Carter is going to throw his hat in the ring. Yeah, he's oh, still got eligibility. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let's stop for a moment. Would you take four years? Let's just say that Trump wasn't involved. You just, for the Democrats, mm-hmm. I would put Jimmy Carter as the most reasonable for. Everybody else on the field there. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy Carter, the Co- most reasonable? reasonable like option for the left right now? Mm. As far as, uh, no? You're not with mm. me on this? Come on. who? I think who if we more... dug into his policies. Yeah, I mean, he's an anti-Semite. I got it. Yes. But I'm saying compared to everybody else on the stage. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's hard to compare because they're all terrible. Uh, Steve Madursky tweets, B squared, 2020 Biden Beto. Yeah. It's happening. Biden Beto is happening. Mark my words. I already put it on my... Reminder calendar to come up next summer. From Rodney in Virginia, actor hates Trump. Why not get Robert De Niro to host the Oscars? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, 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 if that's the resume uh, qualifier. <clears throat> that seems to be the only one now, right? There you go. Why hasn't he hosted? I don't I don't know that he's a funny guy. I, you know, he's been in some comedies, but you got to write that material for him. Oh, yeah. He's you know. off script. Give me a break. Yeah. He's... Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. All right, let's go to Daryl in Connecticut. Daryl... You're on the blaze. Hi. Hey, Pat. Hey. Uh, how are you guys doing this morning? Doing good. Hungry. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that uh, tonight, 930, they're going to have on Access TV uh, a documentary a show about foreigners. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, um, you know, they actually aired it yesterday. Foreigner, huh? I noticed they're, yeah, they're airing it again tonight, 930 uh, Access, AXX uh, TV. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for the heads up on that. I definitely want to see that. Totally watching that. Yeah. Definitely at least uh, roll the the DVR on that. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Uh, Foreigner on Axis. A AXS. Is that the is that the um uh the Dallas billionaire? What's his face? Is that his channel? Um, I think so. Mark Cuban. Yeah, Cuban. I think that's Cuban's channel, isn't it? Let me find out. If I can figure out. So on my system. I believe that's 568. It's right below ESPN, I think. Wow, anyway. that's a good place to be on the dial. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's that's Cubans, right? Uh, I don't AXS. Know. I don't know. Does it say Cubans? Control F, Cuban. Yep. Yeah. All right. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and uh, as we mentioned at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Now, here's an important lesson from PETA because mm-hmm. you know we've been too. Too cruel to animals. First of all, we kill them, and then we cook them, and then we eat them. I like that plan. PETA, PETA doesn't. They don't like that plan. Not only do they not like that plan, they don't even want you to mess with the animals. They shouldn't be our pets. They shouldn't be our food. And they shouldn't even be in our language now. Stop using anti-animal language. <laughs> they tweeted out, words matter. And as our understanding of social justice evolves, okay, Jeez, I hate this stuff. Mm-hmm. Our language evolves along with it. <clears throat> Here's how to remove speciesism from your daily conversations. 
Okay, we need to have a conversation about speciesism conversations. They shouldn't exist. Mm -mm. So, instead of saying the phrase, well, I'll just kill two birds with one stone, that's terrible because it sounds like you're okay with killing two birds with any kind of stone. No, that's bad, man. Don't be terrible. Say instead, okay. feed two birds with one scone. With one scone, okay. <laughs> Is it okay to feed birds scones? That doesn't seem healthy for. No, nah, I don't think that's like. Uh, I don't think they're supposed to eat people food. Too many like calories. Um, instead of saying, "Be the guinea pig," okay. Be the test tube. Be the test tube. See, then it doesn't involve uh, uh, an animal. Animal testing. Instead of saying, beat a dead horse, because uh-huh. that would be bad. Yeah. Except the horse is dead. It doesn't really care. That's, that's true. At that's that why point, who cares? When you're beating on it, you're beating a dead yeah, horse, and it's, it's senseless. That's, right? That's what the thing means. But PETA has got a problem with that? What's their, what's their alternative? Feed a fed horse. Now, that's really stupid. Why would you feed a horse that's already been fed? And how do you do that? Because that's asinine. Think about it. It's, it's been fed. Now you're force-feeding it? Right. I thought that's what they were against. Yeah, that's not good. Like animal, you try against, to make the animal fat? Yeah. Is it against the animal's wishes, too? This is like, that's like Jeffy theory. You just keep eating. You just po- pound your way through it and just keep eating even after you've been fed. Oh, uh, you know what they say, Pat. You know, you got to feed a fed horse. <laughs> he would say that. <laughs> he would. He would say that. Peter is lifting <laughs> stuff from Jeffy's vernacular. Instead of saying, uh, bring home the bacon, uh, bring home the bagels. Okay, that's stupid. That's just, <laughs> that's just stupid. Oh, man. Uh, Peter, can you try harder? Instead of take the bull by the horns, take the flower by the thorns. Okay, that sounds like a uh, that sounds like it would Bon hurt. Jovi lyric or something and, from and the eighties, and it would hurt because uh-huh. uh, you grab those thorns and you get poked, and then it hurts and you bleed. <sighs> so um, there you go. Don't use these uh, terrible. So- should we work Animal on this phrases. today? We could like throughout the day, you know, I could be the guinea, I could be the test tube mm-hmm. for these new phrases. Right. And just try to work them in throughout the day, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it might get annoying after a while. I might be um, feeding a fed horse. <clears throat> see what you did there? I see what I did there. Yeah, you yeah. brought it right in already. Mm-hmm. Whether it was annoying or not, you went for it. <laughs> oh, I do annoying yeah. very well. Oh, I know. You're welcome. I know. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. I take the flower by the thorns, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're good at it. Yeah, you're yeah. good at it. See that? I just, I just, it. I just fed two birds with one scone. <laughs> I did some show material, and I, yeah, good I job. saved the animals mm-hmm. all at the same time. That's really great. You're welcome. Pete is very proud. You'll probably get an award of some kind. I just have him. to mix in, bring home the bagels very naturally in the next uh, 47 minutes, and, and then you uh, hit them all. I'll hit them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it used to be at one point I considered Pete somewhat reasonable because. <laughs> Really? Every once in a while, they were. Oh my goodness! Yeah. But, about what? Um, Do you have any recollection? I don't remember of the topic now that they actually no. were reasonable about. They've gone so far past reasonable now to unreasonable that I, I can't remember what it was mm-hmm. at one time. But uh, there was a time, huh? Uh, time is gone. Yeah. Okay. As it is with most people. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Uh, let me tell you about Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. This is a company that was created by top physicians, and then. They got together and made Field of Greens. Field of Greens is a superfood. It has a nutrition facts panel on it because it is actual real food. It's not extracted from anything. It's just uh, in a different form so that you don't have to taste the nastiness of vegetables. (laughs) I love it. 
It's just, it's absolutely fantastic. So you don't have to put up with the taste of green beans and, you know, cauliflower, kale, yeah. uh, spinach. You could kill two birds with one stone. with uh, Or feed two or birds feed with one scone. With one scone. Yeah. If you just Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, it, it's a great way to get this nutrition in your body, make yourself healthier and happier. One scoop, just a scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. It's a daily clean green energy that fuels your body. And your body's going to thank you for this. Plus, you just dump it into eight ounces of water and stir it up. It tastes just like Kool-Aid. Or put it into a smoothie or whatever, and it it makes it sweeter. It's just really good stuff. Go to BrickHousePat.com. Give it a try today. See if you love it, like I do. Take 15% off a month's supply when you use the offer code PAT. BrickHousePat.com, offer code PAT for 15% off. That's BrickHousePat.com. This is Pat Gray Unleashed. 888 Of course, on Friday... uh. President George H. W. Bush died. Uh, his uh, state funeral is about to begin here shortly. Um, and there was a, there was just a touching moment with Bob Dole, uh, really respecting uh, the former president. And Bob Dole's ninety five himself, and not in the best of shape. Of course, he's he suffered serious serious injuries in World War II and uh, was severely wounded. And messed up his arms, uh, I think his right one especially, but also his left. And now, you know, with age, it's gotten worse. And he's mostly wheelchair bound. But he actually, uh, look at this, he, he actually had some help up and stood to salute the former president. Studied by his aide. And then he salutes the casket. Pretty touching moment. Wow, that is, that's powerful right yeah. there. Yeah, some uh, real respect from Bob Dole. Also, the former president's uh, dog was um, heartwarming as well. Aww, Went and laid Sully. down in front of the, Sully laid down in front <laughs> of the casket. And uh, it was really just a touching moment from the from the president's dog. Yeah. But, of course, the left has to take issue even with that. Wait, wait, hold on a second. The left has issue with a dog? Yeah. Yes, Slate. uh, The liberal site Slate goes after uh, Sully the dog by stating, Sully is not a longtime Bush family pet, letting go of the only master he has known. He's an employee who served for less than six months. Oh my god. He's an employee? So they pay the dog? Yeah, the dog. It, the dog in. gets a salary. Yeah, the dog has some benefits. Takes a little paw and does a little <laughs> clock in, you know. It's bizarre. Oh, oh man. Whoever calls a dog an employee, that that's just to disparage yeah. the relationship between the two of them. Yep. Oh, uh, they're not friends. No, no. Uh, the dog wasn't a friend of the president. Yeah. He's just his employee. Yep. It was purely a working relationship. <laughs> that, that is is this unbelievable? I mean, nothing. 
nothing is off limits from attack. I can't take it, man. Even the relationship that the former president had with his service animal, that's ridiculous. It's wonderful for Bush that he had a trained service animal like Sully available to him in his last months. It's a good thing that the dog is moving on to another gig where he can be helpful to other people rather than becoming another Bush family pet. But it's a bit demented to project soul-wrenching grief onto a dog's decision to lay down in front of a (laughs) casket. Good heavens. Is Sully heroic for learning to obey the humans who taught him to perform certain tasks? Does the photo say anything special about this dog's particular loyalty or judgment? Or is he just there? Also... If dogs are subject to praise for obeying their masters, what do we do about the pets who eat their owners dead or even just passed out bodies? What? Poor Sully. What did he do? Heavens, this is unbelievable. Did he poop on the carpet at Slate when he visited or something? <laughs> I mean, what in the world? The photograph, in other words, is not proof that Sully is a particularly good boy or that we don't deserve dogs, as countless swooning tweets put it on Monday. On its own, it says almost nothing other than the fact that Sully was, at one point, in the same room as the casket of his former boss. This is simply a photograph of a dog doing something dogs love to do. Lie down. The frenzy around it captures something humans love to do, too. Project our own emotional needs onto animals. That is really pathetic. I so you got to go after the dog and the relationship that the dog had with the president because you he's a Republican, I guess. Uh, and you don't want there to be a nice moment between the dog and the owner. Like there's no emotional attach- attachment. There. Even if it was six months, they could have easily bonded like that. That's But Slate can't have that, I guess. There can't be a good relationship between a, a a dog and a former president of the United States who was a Republican. <laughs> it just. I hope we find out that the author wow. of this story, um, you know, maybe her, you know, family or whatever was, uh, you know, dragged off by a wild pack of dogs. Something to explain this. I hope it's not just partisanship. Jeez. My goodness. I mean, that is. Uh, that borders on psychotic. That is exactly right. Yep. In fact, it it doesn't border on it's. It is psychotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's> just <laughs> re- amazing stuff. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Oh, and a little bit more on uh, the global warming situation today. Uh, the lack of sunspots that we're experiencing, characteristic of a solar minimum that we're in right now could bring record low temperatures, but some experts suggest it might even be producing right now a mini ice age. As we speak? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. I like it. Uh, Something unusual, but perhaps not so unusual on a large scale is happening to our sun. We're currently living in the 24th solar cycle recorded. Wait, there's cycles to the sun? And what does that mean? There's cycles on this planet? No, no, those are man-made Cycles. Oh, okay. Obvious. All right. Everything's man-made. And we've made 24 of these cycles so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what it is. What is believed to cause a mini ice age is a prolonged solar minimum, an extended period of time where the sun doesn't have sunspots, or at least very few. The last time we had a a prolonged solar minimum, the last time one was recorded, Mm -hmm. 
a mini ice age uh, actually occurred. And this period lasted from about 1645 to 1715. During those 70 years, sunspots were extremely rare. Now, spaceweather.com claims that sunspots have been absent for most of 2018 to the point where they feel that a reaction is coming from the upper atmosphere of the Earth, which in turn could produce temperature differences. Uh, According to Martin Milzak of NASA's Langley Research Center, he said it could happen within a few months. If current trends continue, a cold record in the space age could soon be established. We're not there yet, but a matter of months is not so long. Ooh, I kind of like this. <laughs> we could be headed. This would be so great. Yeah, it'd be great for Texas. It, I, I, Minnesota, oh, you're on your own. I <laughs> would love it. Yeah. <laughs> I would love a mini ice age where we cool off a little bit. Wouldn't yeah. that be great? And it, then how do the global warmest explain all that? Uh-huh. The, how, how do they continue to sell the hysteria of catastrophic climate change? Uh, the data obtained from NASA's Time satellite uh, demonstrates that the upper layer of the air surrounding Earth, known as the thermosphere, is shrinking and cooling, literally decreasing the radius of our atmosphere. From all this could be a real phase of global cooling. And these are the same geniuses that said, Jeez. let's spray chemicals in the air to block the sun. Right. Last week we had that story. I forget mini ice age at that point. It's <laughs> Unbelievable. So typical, though, of the way this thing is going back and forth and back and forth. But it's consensus. There's consensus. The debate is over. 888-900-3393. More Pat Gray Unleashed coming up. He's got no time for morons except Friday. It's Pat Gray Unleashed. Welcome to it. Great to have you with us. 888-900-3393. A Detroit-based group of socially racially focused socialists, racially focused socialists called by any means necessary, is encouraging migrants in Mexico to march on the border and try to remove Trump. Hmm. How would the migrants remove Trump, I wonder? Strange. It dispatched organizers to Tijuana and distributed literature to migrants blaming the U.S. for conditions in their country and saying the border, saying of the border, open it up or we'll shut it down. For two decades, fellow socialists and progressive groups have condemned the group for its radical and violent tactics. And now they're trying to take advantage of this situation. Uh Their motto is, Trump must go or be removed by any means necessary. Whoa. And uh, so they are originally dedicated to affirmative action and affiliated with the Revolutionary Workers League. Oh, this sounds good. Yeah, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Repeatedly condemned by groups that they've crossed paths with dating back two decades. In 95, the Socialist Party USA, Democratic Socialists of America, Solidarity National Political Committee... And a long list of other groups wrote, as socialists, we condemn the actions of the coalition to defend affirmative action by any means necessary and the Revolutionary Workers League. They're, they're too uh, extreme even for the extremists. In 2003, progressive populist and former uh, Berkeley organizer Nathan Newman described his encounter with the group 
when trying to rally for affirmative action, said uh, when the University of California regents voted to end affirmative action in the university system, an incredibly vibrant, multiracial student-led group emerged called Diversity in Action. For the first time in a number of years, Berkeley would see mass political mobilization from across the campus, including eventually a 5,000-person rally on the Sproul Plaza. However, within weeks of forming, that broad-based student affirmative action group was under assault, not by the cops or the administration, but by a thuggish and violent band called by any means necessary. A grouplet created by a Detroit-based sect called the Revolutionary Workers League. The RWL had set out a number of their leaders to create their BAMN front group, whose members proceeded not just to disrupt the student-led coalition meeting, but to physically assault the students, take the microphones from them at rallies, and bring their own megaphones to drown out their speakers. In 20 years of political organizer uh, organizing, I have never seen such a violent and thuggish group uh, of people. Mm-hmm. A step beyond the worst sectarian acts I had ever imagined. So there, that's the fringe, though. The fringe is mm-hmm. is taking microphones or shouting down and, and taking over events and stuff like that. It's right. not like elected officials are are suggesting that. This is the fringe <laughs> that is doing this. And well, there's no connection to the people that are actually elected uh, in office. Thank goodness this is the fringe. And way right. Out, way on the edges. Way out there. Right. The edges of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and several elected officials, uh, in addition to the fringe. Seems like everybody in the Democrat Party leadership is on the fringe now, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, they're all fringe actors now. Also, this is kind of interesting, um, because we always hear about how illegal aliens are productive, they're just good, decent, hardworking yeah, family Pat, people. They're, they're just trying to bring home the bagels. Yes, I did it. Thank I got you. all five you, pita lines. Yes. You did it. Good job. Thank you. Keith. Done. Very proud. Very proud. Couldn't be happier that you were able to work that in. Bringing home the bagels. Um, and, you know, they don't they don't cost anything. And they're just, they produce so much. Well, except for this new study that says 63% of non-citizen households in 2014, this was four years ago, used some form of uh, welfare. Is that, hold on, I don't, I'm not good with math. Is that the That's, majority? Uh, yes. The, so the majority of non-citizens mm-hmm. are on the dollar. Are on welfare, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of some That's kind. Good stat there. And in California, it's not 63%. That would be silly. It's 72% in California. Mm. But don't worry about it. That's that's not a problem. Okay. According, according to a study from the Center for Immigration Studies, which analyzed the Census Bureau survey of income and program participation, 63% of non-citizen households accessed welfare programs. Now, we're told all the time, that just, that's a fallacy. That doesn't happen. It's a myth. They're here, here to build this country because that's what uh-huh. immigrants have done. Well, immigrants, you know? yes. We're, a, we're mm-hmm. a nation of immigrants. Nation of immigrants. The study states... That of non-citizens in the Census Bureau data, roughly half are in the country illegally. Non-citizens also include long-term temporary visitors and permanent residents who haven't naturalized yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, they're, they're green card holders. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> in October, the Trump administration started targeting for deportation immigrants caught cheating on welfare in 
2017 in August, Senators Tom Cotton and David Perdue wrote an op-ed in which they stated, Our current immigration system achieves uh, none of the goals it's supposed to. Each year, the United States accepts around 1 million immigrants as legal permanent residents, which is twice our historical average. Wow. That's like adding the population of Montana every year. Wow. But only one out of 15 immigrants um, are, but only one out of 15 immigrate for employment reasons. The majority come here on family-based visas without regard to their skills or our needs. See, that's the thing. When you're not taking your nation's needs into consideration at all, like we don't matter, whatever you want to do is fine, and whatever you need, okay, we'll take care of it. And then we don't worry about our concerns at all? Well, that's just national suicide. You have to, every country on earth asks, what are you going to do for us? Why are you here? What are you going to bring to us? You've got to bring something to the table. We can't just take on and give, 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 give to millions and millions of people. And could you just get our permission before you come here, too? Oh, that's, wow, that was hateful. Well, if you don't have <laughs> you your permissions, get, we send we back We send them. back them. Yeah, but that's, you know, that was just the president of Mexico in, what, yeah. 2010 or 11. Yeah. The majority come here on family-based visas. As a result, half of all immigrant households re- receive benefits from social welfare systems. That's not good for any American, but it has especially steep costs for people who work with their hands and on their feet for a living. Wages for Americans with only a high school diploma have dropped by 2% since the late 70s. And for those who didn't finish high school, they've dropped 17%. While the twin trends of automation and globalization have also strained working class Americans, a steady supply of cheap, unskilled labor has as well. And immigration is the trend we can change most easily. Well, that's hateful. Mm. Again, you're looking out for the welfare of this country. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Tom Cotton and David Perdue, the senators, uh, writing that. Yep, sounds about right. And as I mentioned, 72% of illegals in California are on some form of welfare. So in California, it's even worse. Well, that's a state that's got their act together. Oh, Clearly. They can absorb that, right? (laughs) Yeah, they're doing so well. Mm -hmm. The latest Census Bureau data analyzed uh, by the Center for Immigration Studies finds about 72% of households headed by non-citizens and immigrants use one or more forms of taxpayer-funded welfare programs in California. Number one immigrant receiving state in the U.S. Meanwhile, about 35% of households headed by native-born Americans use welfare in California. Hmm. Huh. So much for they're all <laughs> contributing here. And they're just, they're, in fact, they're making us wealthy here beyond our wildest imagination. Wasn't it the MSNBC reporter? I can't believe I'm saying this. Wasn't it the MSNBC reporter uh, down at the border in Tijuana that said, yeah, these, they're not coming here to work. They're not coming here for a job or whatever. Yeah. Remember that? He was talking yeah. about there's all these men lined up, but they're not coming to they're not coming for a job. And they weren't coming because they were refugees. They weren't looking for refugee status. There was, you know, they were they were just coming here. Who knows why? Again, we don't know why. And we don't know what brought them here. Is and there they, a way we can find out why they're coming? 
Uh, well, we could ask them nicely. We could ask them. Yeah, ask them nicely. Should we have them like fill out some paperwork? Maybe look into their backgrounds a little bit, or should we just open up the door and just say, you no, know what? I don't no, care no. what you're doing. Just come on in. What, yeah. what, what took you so long? You right. didn't take the bus from, from Honduras originally? You walked half the way? You're dumb, man. But come on. All right. You got here. Come finally, on in. Finally got here. Well, it'd be hateful to say no at this point. They've come so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've worked. They've earned it. All four states with the largest foreign-born populations, including California, have extremely high use of welfare by immigrant households. In Texas, it's about 70% of households headed by immigrants using taxpayer-funded welfare. So 72 in California, 70% in Texas. Meanwhile, 35% of native-born households in Texas are on welfare. New York and Florida, a majority of households headed by immigrants and non-citizens are on welfare. About 63%. 35% native-born. Uh, President Trump's administration is looking uh, to soon implement a policy that protects American taxpayer dollars from funding the mass importation of welfare-dependent foreign nationals by enforcing a public charge rule whereby legal immigrants would be less likely to secure a permanent residency in the U.S. if they have used any form of welfare in the past, including Obamacare, food stamps, and public housing. How hateful. Okay, so either you want to get a handle on this situation or you don't, though. Either it's it's an okay thing that 72%, get, going on three-fourths of the people here not legally, are on welfare, and that's an okay thing. We, we're willing to do that. We're willing to take care of that in perpetuity. Yeah. Or, or you got to put your foot down sometime. At least we have lots of money as a national government. Well, the thing is, yeah, we've got such a surplus. Yeah, it's just saved up in the back here, and we're looking for something to spend it on, so it's good that we got a thing to burn this money on now. Right? I mean, well, we've got got a money printing machine. Yeah, well, that's true. We actually... So, I mean, (laughs) we just keep making it, you know. (laughs) Spend all you want. We'll make more. (laughs) We'll make more. All right, let me tell you about Riduzone because uh, with the holidays here, with Christmas just around the corner, and then, of course, New Year's after that, you know you're going to be overeating. <clears throat> but there might be some help on the way. You gotta, you've got to just go to the website, though, at Riduzone.com and place an order to get some help. What is Riduzone? Well, it's a safe and natural FDA-acknowledged dietary supplement that took the good stuff, the OEA molecule, out of olive oil. That boosts your metabolism and helps to reduce your appetite. So you take a couple of these before you eat, and then hopefully you eat less, and then you burn more calories. So for about $1.39 a day, Riduzone can help you get through this time of year when you know usually you'd gain 5, 10 pounds. Who knows? And then you just you think, okay, at the beginning of the year, I'll, I'll get back on top of it. And then it never happens. Order at RidUZone.com, enter the promo code PAT, and get 30% off a three-month supply. RidUZone.com, promo code PAT, to take 30% off a three-month supply. Time to make it happen. Let RidUZone help you get through Christmas and New Year's. RidUZone.com. Pat Gray Unleashed. 888 Welcome. Oh, I like this. More government um, intervention that we so desperately need. In New York, uh, they're dictating, they're becoming the first U.S. state to set a minimum wage 
for app-based car services. <laughs> so if um, if you're an Uber driver or Lyft, Via, Juno, Get, any of those, why um, New York is going to establish a $17.22 an hour minimum wage for you. Regulators say it will raise drivers' annual earnings by $10,000 a year. Now, that's great, I guess, for Uber drivers. But how is it that a, a U.S. state can dictate to a U.S. company how much they have to pay their employees? Just go to specific businesses and say, um, okay, yeah, we're going to establish that you must pay your people this amount of money. What? Uh, is It's not exactly American, is it? New York City is once again passing landmark regulation to protect workers in the unruly gig economy, according to New York Taxi Workers Alliance. Well, there you go. It's the, it's the taxi drivers that are trying to push them into this non-regulated area. Um, The city's minimum wage is set to increase to $15 an hour at the end of the year, the equivalent wage for drivers who are considered independent contractors and have to cover their own expenses is $17.22. Wow. I I don't know how they get away with this. I'm good with no minimum wage whatsoever anywhere. Let the market, are you saying Uh, mm -hmm. you'd let the market work it out? Uh, what would you call something like that uh, uh, yes mm, like a free market system let's write that down free market free market system i'm gonna write that down let's try to too bad nobody's talked about that stick huh yeah seriously um what if what if somebody had written about that in late six sixteen hundreds seventeen hundreds you know what else i want in that neighborhood other than uh in addition to not wanting a minimum wage Mm -hmm. i don't want any tariffs what yeah mr president what did he say yesterday? He tweeted out uh, he's a tariff man. And that's the best way to help our economy get stronger. Oh, my gosh. Oh, let me find it. It is this. the opposite oh, of that. Dear Lord, let me find it. I was. Oh, incensed. heaven help us with that tariff stuff. Let's see here. By all that is holy, Mr. President, please yeah, stop with the tariffs, yeah, please. Here's, here's what he wrote. He wrote, uh, I'm, I am a tariff man, says uh, President Trump. When people or countries come in to raid the great wealth of our nation, I want them to pay for the privilege of doing so. It will always be the best way to max out our economic power. We are right now taking in billions in tariffs. Make America rich again, all caps. My gosh. No, I think the best look way... Look what's happening yeah. with the with the stock market right uh-huh. now. Look what's happening with the economy. Yeah. It's all slowing down. Slowing down. And I I fear that part of that, part of the cause is tariffs. Hmm. It is not working well. If only there was a show that warned about this, uh, what was going to happen. I know. Is there this, anywhere out hmm. there you can think of where you <laughs> might have heard this warning? No, that would be silly. Ago. Everybody was on board with that, right? <laughs> Republicans love tariffs. You know, in the last three years, um, for some reason, uh, Republicans decided they they fell in love with tariffs. So no no show could have no you couldn't have warned this. about that. You can't foresee mm-hmm. that. No, sounds like a really bad Stan Lee character, Tariff Man. <laughs> yeah, I discovered there's an asbestos man. I was looking at all these uh, Stan from Lee. Stan Lee. Stan Lee did all these crazy characters, you know, and one of them was Asbestos Man. But I, I bet he missed Tariff Man. It's too bad. Asbestos Man. Too. Yeah. Uh, how come? When's the movie coming out? Yeah, right. <laughs> that must be the only Marvel character uh, not to have a, a featured movie. Uh-huh. Wow, I feel really bad for him now. Really? Asbestos man. Yeah, yeah, I think he deserves his own movie. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three.
Oh, Miss Universe is breaking some new ground this year. Okay. The first transgender contestant to ever compete for the crown. And uh, for those betting on the competition, she is a heavy favorite now. Or he or she. Mm-hmm. Angela Ponce won her qualifying round in Spain, and she's representing her country, the 2018 Miss Universe pageant in Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> That's great. Good stuff. Uh, as the competition nears, online bookies are taking action, and Ponce has grown to become the clear <laughs> favorite with current odds of plus 600. So the uh, at my bookie. Dot yeah. A-G, uh-huh. they compiled their list of where all the countries currently stand. To put it in perspective, Miss USA, Sarah Rose Summers, has odds of plus 2,000 if she wins the whole competition. <laughs> so she's so okay five times behind the transgendered. So you put a dollar on this one, you're going to win six bucks. You put yeah. a dollar on this one, you're going to win 200 Tw- bucks. Right. Yeah. So, right. Wow. So, um, wow. Wow. They're also taking uh, action on whether or not host Steve Harvey will announce the wrong winner again. Uh, If you're (laughs) looking for a really big payday, you might want to put your money on Miss Mauritius, small island in the Indian Ocean. Um, She currently pays out at plus 20,000 if she wins. Pageant airs uh, December 16th, so we'll find out then if the transgender person uh, wins this competition. Now... When you look at the photos, you're not talking about like Caitlyn Jenner here, no, or the uh, candidate in was it Vermont? Oh boy, oh the hot one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so beautiful, remember? So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would have voted so lovely. Just, oh my gosh, just on the face one of the most alone. beautiful women. This Angela Ponce. Yeah, you had to tell me. You you would not that know this was transgender. That's a, she's transgendered. You just you wouldn't. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You would not guess, but it doesn't say whether. She's had the surgery and all that. I would probably well, say yes. I say uh, we saw the swimsuit competition. Yeah, and I think I think she did the have surgery. the surgery. So either that or very talented. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So yeah. So Miss Universe made for the first time ever, and wouldn't it be wonderful? <laughs> wouldn't so it wonderful. be wonderful? Ah, to have a transgendered person. When is the next? It's December sixteenth. Oh, of course, it's going to fall in <clears throat> this in twenty eighteen. Yes. Yes. This has got to happen. This is your year, baby. This. This oh, is. Oh yeah. I. I mean, 2018 <laughs> could really be the this year is, of the transgender, couldn't it? This is the capper. Look at all of the progress made by transgender people this year. All the talk about transgender this year. I mean, you would think that transgender people make up about 50 percent of the population, <laughs> as much as we've talked about them. As as far as as they've come uh, in this year, it's it's pretty amazing. So, um, hats off to him. The, uh-huh. the year of the transgender. Yeah, just the hats. You can leave everything else on. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Tim Cook uh, wants to ban hate. I do too. <laughs> yes. On, on social media platforms. Here's a Applehead Tim Tim Cook talking about banning hate on social media. Perhaps most importantly, it drives us not to be bystanders bystanders as hate tries to make its headquarters in the digital world. At Apple, we believe that technology needs to have a clear point of view on this challenge. There is no time to get tied up in knots. That's why we only have one message 
for those who seek to push hate, division, and violence. You have no place on our platforms. speech stop free speech stop. you have no home here <laughs> from the earliest days of itunes to apple music today we have always prohibited music with a message of white supremacy oh yay what about black supremacy or hispanic why or- because it's the right thing to do uh-huh And as we showed this year, we won't give a platform to violent conspiracy theorists on the App Store. Yeah. And who decides all this, Tim? It's great. It's wonderful. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. My friends, if we can't be clear on moral questions like these, then Mm. we've got big problems. Yeah, except who decides? We are not afraid to Mm -hmm. say that our values drive our curation decisions. And why should we be? Wow. Doing what's right, creating experiences free from violence and hate, experiences that empower creativity and new ideas, is what our customers want us to do. I believe the most sacred thing that each of us is given mm-hmm. is our judgment, yeah. our morality, our own innate desire to separate right from wrong. Choosing to set that responsibility mm-hmm. aside at a moment of trial mm-hmm. is a sin. All right. Uh, amazing stuff. Because, you know, who decides on what's hate and what isn't? Uh, if we can't be clear on moral questions like these, then we've got big problems. Tim, if you can't be clear on moral questions like whether or not an infant is a human being in a, a mother's womb, you got we got bigger problems than you even think. Said so I think I believe the most sacred thing that each of us is given is our judgment, our morality, our own innate desire to separate from wrong. Now, if this was if he was speaking religiously. Well, who's right and wrong are you talking about? Whose morality are you talking about? He's not talking about God's morality. He's talking about Apple's morality. It's a little bit frightening. And just more chilling stuff. These massive, massive corporations. (laughs) 